0: So glad you joined us today, and um, uh, we are in the middle of our um, series as we're walking with Christ really to the cross, the passion of Jesus as we continue in our study of Luke. In December of 1952, a toxic mix of uh, dense fog and a sooty uh, black coal smoke killed thousands of Londoners. In four days. Maybe you've read about that little history. In fact, I was uh, reminded of this when I when, uh, watched one of the uh, episodes of um, uh, The Crown. That's what it was, The Crown, and, and watched this whole scene take place, the dramatized uh, piece. They say it remains the deadliest environmental episode in recorded history. Here's what happened. As the smoke was coming out of London's uh, chimneys mixed with natural fog, the air turned colder. Londoners then heat more coals on their fires, making more smoke. And soon it was so dark that some couldn't even see their feet. By Sunday of December 7th, uh, 1952, visibility fell to one foot. Roads were littered with abandoned cars. Midday concerts were canceled due to total darkness. Archivists at the British Museum found smog lurking in the book stacks. Cattle in the city's Smithfield Market were killed and thrown away before they could even be slaughtered and sold because their lungs were black. Funeral director Stan Cribb of T. Cribb and Sons had led thousands of funeral trains through smoggy streets of London, but he says the 1952 events dwarfs all others he had seen. He remembers the moment that he saw the first gray wisp. He said this, you had this swirling like like somebody had set a load of car tires on fire. I share that because London's killer fog, I think, is a metaphor um, for the night that Jesus was betrayed. It's a picture of what was taking place. Because everything was black on that night. Everything was dark. And in the darkness, Judas kissed Jesus. I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 this morning. In fact, I'm going to read this passage that we're going to look at this morning, starting in verse 47. Luke 22, starting in verse 47. If you have your Bibles open um, or your your Bibles open on your phones, you can follow with me. Luke chapter 22, verse 47. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, should we strike with sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, he said, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? Listen, when I was with you day after day in the temple, you didn't lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness Now, before we dig into this passage, let's first of all remind ourselves who Judas was. Judas was uh, chosen by Jesus. Remember that? I mean, when Jesus was putting together his inner circle, when he stayed up all night praying, asking the Father who should be included in the 12, uh, Judas was among those original disciples. Judas was one of the twelve. Judas was trusted by Jesus. As they traveled around preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven had arrived. It was Judas that was elected to be the treasurer of that group. He's the one who watched after the money. Judas was also loved by Jesus. I mean, when... When uh, Jesus looked at Judas, he saw somebody uh, that uh, he had knit together in his mother's womb, somebody that he knew the number of hairs on his very head, uh, somebody that he had designs and plans for his life. Yet despite all of that, think about this, the fact that he was chosen by, loved by, trusted by Jesus, Judas... Betrayed Jesus. Have you ever wondered why nobody names their child after Judas? (laughs) I mean, after all, we do name after other disciples. I mean, Matthew, Mark, John, Andrew. I mean, those are good names. In fact, so is Judas's name, really. Do you know what Judas, the name Judas means? It means, praise be to God. That's a good name that we might want to give to one of our children, (laughs) but we don't, do we? Nobody does because Judas betrayed Jesus and he did it with a kiss in the dark. See, following the Passover celebration, that's where we were last week, we were talking about the Passover celebration, Jesus then took his disciples and they went out to that Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he spent the rest of his evening um, in prayer to his Heavenly Father. So intense, in fact, was his time of prayer that Luke says he sw- uh, that uh, sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. And by the time Jesus finished praying, it was probably between 1, 1 1.30 in the morning. Dark. And as he is urging his disciples to pray, he is suddenly um, interrupted by a crowd, led by Judas. It was dark physically, middle of the night, but it was also dark spiritually. Look down with me again at Jesus' last words there in verse 53. Look what he says. He says, "When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour, and the power of darkness." Um, Jesus is referring to the darkness of hostility, darkness of evil. See, a battle of uh, of cosmic proportions is taking place. Satan is is making his move. Um, I mean you remember at the end of Jesus' temptation. Remember back in chapter four, what Luke tells us? Luke says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Until an opportune time. That opportune time had come. <laughs> the hour has arrived. This was the moment that Satan had been waiting for. And in this moment, evil appears to be triumphant. Satan is winning, darkness reigns. It was in that darkness that Judas kissed Jesus. The kiss was similar. Customary, was, a, was a customary greeting of that day similar to well, how we would greet a friend anyway before COVID? You know, with a handshake. Now it's the elbow, uh, you know, touch. Um, it was the kiss on the cheek. It, it symbolized uh, friendship, um, but this time in the darkness, this kiss of affection was being used for a sign of rejection. say, so why well, did, why did Judas betray Jesus? I mean, after traveling with him, being with him for three years, why, why, did he, why did he betray Jesus? Well, the obvious answer, of course, is Satan, right? I mean, Satan had a role in this. <laughs> um, we're told back in verse 3 of chapter 22 um, that Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. Satan was at work in the betrayal and crucifixion of Jesus. I and mean, we have to factor that in, right? But Satan only has as much power as we allow him to have. Satan preys upon our weaknesses. I mean, Satan looks for opportunities and, and advantages that, that that we might give him. So while Satan was involved, there must have been something else about Judas that opened the door and allowed for him to be susceptible to the wiles of the enemy. So Satan was involved, but what else? why, Why did Judas betray Jesus? Well, one reason might have been because of greed. I mean, greed is one of those Doorway sins that when you, you commit greed, it opens a door for a whole number of other things that come into your life. Do you remember that time when Jesus' feet was anointed with that expensive perfume? Remember that story in Scripture? It was Judas who said, what a waste of money. We, I mean, we could have spent that money on the poor. And what does Scripture say about Judas at that point? It said, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. <laughs> As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Greed was part of Judas's life. So when these religious leaders, they come to him and they offer him 30 pieces of silver, that's like eight months of uh, wages those days. Judas, he saw that and he thought, (laughs) you know, that's a good price. That's a perfect price for me to betray Jesus. Satan was involved. Greed was involved. Well, what about disappointment? Ever been disappointed with God? Ever been there? Ever look at your life and think, you know... (laughs) I've been following all of these rules. I've been doing the right thing. So how come things aren't working out the way that I want them to work out? Um, ever have a moment where you, you find yourself on your knees and you've prayed and you beg God, God, would you, would you just give me this one thing, but then you're met with, uh, with the silence of heaven? Never been there? Ever have a moment where you're at the bedside of a loved one watching that loved one suffer and think to yourself, what kind of God allows this? Have you ever been disappointed with God? Then maybe you can identify with Judas. Because not only did Jesus choose Judas, but (laughs) you got to understand, Judas also chose Jesus. I mean, he gave up everything to follow Jesus for those three years. And Judas probably thought, this is the guy. (laughs) Listen, if I I follow him, if I just give up everything I can to him, he'll be the one that will will, will solve all of my problems and and all of the problems of the world. He's the Messiah. He'll be the one who will bring victory and and, and conquer. (laughs) And yet, what does Jesus do? Jesus starts talking about suffering and and dying and sacrifice. And see, Judas didn't sign up for that. (laughs) So maybe Judas betrayed Jesus because he felt like Jesus had betrayed him. Whatever the case, what we do know is this. One night, Judas walked into the garden, leading a crowd And he found Jesus, who had just sweat drops of blood. And there in the dark, Judas kissed Jesus. And the signal had been given. And the soldiers rushed in to arrest Jesus. Judas, in the dark, with that kiss, I want to suggest to you that he missed who Jesus was. Do you ever miss things in the dark? Ever been in that situation? <laughs> I mean, I, I have. I, I, I sometimes have attempted to wake up early in the morning and, and, and sneak out of the house quietly without waking anybody else up, and it's still dark. And I miss things. <laughs> More than once, I've missed the bottom step and fallen flat on my face and end up waking up everybody, you know? I miss things in the dark. Um, other times I've come home at late at night and, uh, uh, you know, after a meeting or something and the, and the house is dark and everyone has gone to bed and, and I've tried to sneak in again, trying to be quiet without waking anybody up. And I <laughs> stubbed my toe on something or, or I stepped on something that shouldn't have been there. And I let out a yell again, waking up everybody. I miss things in the dark. Don't you? Judas He missed who Jesus was. What did Judas miss? Well, the most obvious thing that he missed was Jesus' love for him. Earlier that evening, remember as the um, disciples are gathered for the Passover meal, uh, John's gospel tells us that Jesus took a piece of bread and he dipped it into that wine dish and he gave it to Judas. Do you realize Judas was the only disciple he did that with? <laughs> you say, well, so what? Well, in that culture, typically that kind of act was done for a beloved guest. <laughs> and Jesus did that for Judas. And now, one more time, Jesus is reaching out to, uh, to, to Judas with this question. Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss it was an appeal to judas to recognize what he was doing it was it was a uh, a plea for judas to re- repent jesus was calmly asking judas judas how could you choose such a sign are you so dead are are, judas, are you so beyond Feeling so greedy that you would use a kiss? See, even though he was Satan's agent, (laughs) Judas was a lost soul. And Jesus always, always cares about lost souls. But Judas missed it. He missed it. Judas also missed Jesus' compassion. The disciples still thinking in terms of uh, an earthly kingdom believe that the use of force would deliver their master from his uh, captors and would usher in his kingdom. So what they've done, you know, they've taken the two swords they talked about in the upper room and they've taken those two swords evidently with them to the garden. And now one of them uses it, right, against Judas and his posse. Now, we shouldn't be too harsh with these disciples at this point. After all, they had said that they would defend Judas uh, Jesus, and, that they, and, and they were trying to do exactly that, right? I mean, we should at least give them credit for that. At least give them credit for the best of intentions. But see, before Jesus has the opportunity to even answer their question, you know, one of them says, hey, should we strike with the sword? Before Jesus has an opportunity to even answer, Peter attacks. Have you ever asked, you know, <laughs> with all those soldiers around, um, why was it that Peter chose to attack the servant of the most uh, of, the, of the high priest? <laughs> I mean, was was this servant the closest person to Jesus, or or was this servant the weakest, <laughs> unarmed? Uh, was he most obnoxious, mouthiest? I don't know. We, for whatever reason uh, it was, Peter drew his sword, right? And he attacked. And evidently, Peter <laughs> didn't have the skill of a, a Zorro. I mean, th- th- there was no carving a Z on somebody's uh, chest. <laughs> no, no, what Peter does is he, he takes a, a roundhouse swing, hoping to decapitate this guy, <laughs> This guy, um, what he does is he he ducks. The servant ducks, and Peter ends up clipping off his ear. See, when it comes to combat, I got to tell you, Peter's a good fisherman. <laughs> um, so, what does Jesus do? Well, immediately he intervenes. Right? He calls out, "No more of this, guys! Knock it off!" And then he heals. He heals the servant's ear. Don't you think that had to be a breathtaking display of power right there, watching that happen? What once had been completely severed, clean, cut off, is now healed. Jesus, in front of his disciples, and in fact, in front of his enemies, puts his loving kindness and saving power on display for all to see. Everything he does in this moment, everything he does shows that he is not who this crowd thinks he is. Jesus is full of compassion here. But Judas missed it. He missed it completely. Judas also missed that forgiveness is found only in the one that he kissed. How ironic was that kiss? Think about that. The one Judas sent to the cross, the Son of Man, would go to the cross to forgive all of those who gave the Son of Man the kiss of death. Judas missed the fact that his ungodliness set into motion the action that would bring hope to every single person who had ever been ungodly, including himself. (laughs) Jesus Christ on the cross to save you and me. And Judas from our sins. <laughs> Someone might say, well, why can't God just forgive the debt of sin? I mean, if our Creator was, was truly generous, couldn't he just, I mean, move on without repayment? He'll live and let live? Well, here's the problem. See, somebody always eats the cost of sin. Let me tell you a simple example. Um, A number of years ago, um, a small neighbor boy was learning to ride his bike in our our alleyway. Um, And he ended up getting out of control, losing control, and he crashed into the side of our minivan that was in our driveway. Um, And he left a scratch and a dent on our brand-new minivan. When we discovered it... (laughs) We end up thinking, okay, what do we do about this? And we end up saying, listen, don't worry about the van. All is forgiven. But I got to tell you, forgiving our neighbor, uh, boy, didn't erase the damage of that scratch and that dent in the van. (laughs) I mean, that was still there. It just meant that, well, we had to eat the cost. Now, let me consider a more complex example. During the U.S. housing crisis, remember this back in 2008, 2009, shoddy banking practices, you know, fat cat executives and corporate, corporate uh, corruption threw a sledgehammer into our economy. Remember those days? <laughs> now imagine Jesus in the aftermath um, as the new CEO, CEO of one of the massive Um, corporations guilty for that crisis. The old CEO is uh, out the door and a new boss is now in town and Jesus is personally innocent, yet he's behind the wheel when the ship got steered into the the rocks. But there's still a huge debt there. The Bank of America alone, remember that, alone, they owed people $17 billion dollars And someone had to pay the costs. Here's what actually happened. In the aftermath of that housing crisis, the banks were deemed, right, too big to fail. And the government forgave the debt, covering up to what was up at that time the most expensive bailout in human history. Though uh, the banking industry had caused massive damage, the debt was forgiven. But the debt... (laughs) It didn't just disappear. It didn't just go away. Someone else covered it. Who was the someone else that covered it? Well, in this case, it was the American people, right? Someone always eats the cost. At the cross, God was eating the cost of our sin, yours and mine. Why can't God just forgive the debt? (laughs) Well, that was what was taking place at the cross. God is just. Forgiven, forgiving the debt by personally covering the cost. You know, I, I think I misspoke a little bit a moment ago when I said the White House back in 2009 gave Wall Street the most expensive bailout in human history because actually the most expensive bailout in human history was when the father established his incarnate son as the new CEO of a corporate, uh, corrupt corporation called humanity. And together, in the power of their spirit, they took upon themselves the most outrageous debt forgiveness plan that's ever been known, that ever will be known. But see, Judas missed it. In the darkness of that night, Judas missed that forgiveness is found only in the one that he kissed. At noon of that day, as Jesus hung on that cross, darkness would fittingly come over the land for three hours. It would look like Satan and the power of darkness had won. But the darkness fails. Not by preventing Jesus' death, but rather through Jesus' resurrection. Resurrection. Ironically, the cross will accomplish the exact opposite of what the darkness wishes. That's why we call that day Good Friday. (laughs) Not because of the betrayal, not because of the kiss, not because of the injustice, not because of the pain, not because of the scourging, not because of the nails, not because of the death, but because of all of that our debt Yours and mine has been paid. You and I are set free. We are forgiven and we can have a relationship with God because Jesus has taken all of our sins on himself. I mean, that wasn't just a good Friday. That was a a, a gracious Friday. That was a, a great Friday. And Judas missed it. He missed a lot of things. He missed Jesus' love for him. He missed Jesus' compassion. He missed the forgiveness Jesus was offering him. And because of it, he hung himself. Oh, just think about it. If Judas just would have waited three days. As Judas was finding his tree, Judas was, or Jesus was carrying his tree. As Judas was climbing out on his branch, Jesus was being nailed to his branch for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. Three days later, Jesus walks out of the grave. Judas, Judas, if you just waited three days, but you missed it. The courthouse in downtown Denver is named the Lindsay Flanagan Courthouse. At first name, Lindsay is in honor of Ben Lindsay. Uh, ben Lindsay became a judge in Denver in 1921. And as he began to serve as a judge, he noticed that there was something extremely wrong with the court system in Denver, that they had... Adults, and they had children, and they had youth, all in the same system. And the same laws for adults were being used for children and being used for uh, uh, youth. The same jails were being used for children and adults and youth. And he was like, this has got to be fixed. So Judge Ben Lindsay pioneered juvenile justice in Denver, and it became a model for all the United States. For 25 years he became known as the kid's judge, different ways of dealing with youth. And after 25 years of that, you can imagine he had this he had to have this large set of files, 25 years worth of files, and every file had somebody's name in it and inside that file had the crime that they had committed. And now he was leaving Denver. What would happen if somebody got a hold of those files? These youth are now grown up. They have have families. They have jobs. And if somebody got a hold of those files, they could use them against those people. Can you imagine? (laughs) If your worst moment from your youth was held against you and printed in paper or maybe like these days, you know, put out on social media. So Judge Lindsay, those days, he said, I can't let this happen. And so he took all those files, he took all those files, and he, they didn't have stretch, uh, didn't have uh, uh, shredders in those days, so he just began by hand ripping them up into pieces, the smallest pieces he could uh, tear them into, smallest pieces possible. And then he put them all in this large box, all these files, and he drove just west of Denver, and he invited the press to come out. And he, and he threw all those files, all those small pieces he had ripped up by his hands and he threw them into this, this big old ditch. And as he poured them there, then he, and as the news reporters took pictures of it all happening, he set it on fire. And he called it the shame Bonfire where he took all the shame and regrets and the past memories of all of these people and he burned them up so there'd be no record of what they had done. Friends, I gotta tell you, that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. (laughs) Amazingly. Amazingly. And I don't want you to miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss who Jesus Christ is. And don't miss what Jesus Christ offers you. Don't miss that Jesus is the Savior who is offering you forgiveness. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the the price that you paid on the cross. So we don't have to. Lord, I pray for each person who is hearing my voice this morning online or in person. Later in the week, maybe as they listen back to this service, that God, they wouldn't miss it. And they would receive that offer of your forgiveness of your grace. We pray these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.